Shalom, listeners to the Radical Life Support Podcast series on the ABCs of the Attributes of God. We're so glad you're joining us today for this very important attribute of God as we discuss the letter G. God is good. All the time, He is good. As always, we start with our quote from A.W. Tozier, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. If you can have the right view about God in this area of God's goodness, it will deeply change for the good how you live out your life. Lord, I pray right now that those who are listening will see that you are a good God and it is the very core of your nature. Open their ears to hear what you have to say about your goodness. Amen. I want to begin by giving a short summary of what A.W. Tozer says. God's goodness is not the same as his holiness or righteousness. Because of his goodness, He's kind, cordial, benevolent, tender-hearted, quick to sympathize, and full of goodwill towards men. His unfailing attitude toward all he created is open and frank. He's eager to be friendly to us. By his nature, he bestows blessings, and he takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. In faith, we must believe that God's goodness is impenetrable. It's a foundation stone for all sound thought about God. The cause of his goodness is in himself. Divine goodness, as one of God's attributes, is self-caused. His goodness is infinite, perfect, and eternal. Since God is immutable, which means he never changes. Since he never changes, he never varies in the intensity of his loving kindness. He has never been kinder than he is right now, nor will he ever be less kind. Your life will be changed if your view of the God of heaven includes the understanding that the unmerited, that's us, we are unmerited, spontaneous goodness of God is underneath all his acts. I just had to quote Tozer there because I just can't say it any better than the way he does. God is good is taught or implied on every page of the Bible, and that's how he reveals himself in the word of God. In 1 Chronicles 16.34, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. Psalms 105, For the Lord is good, his faithfulness continues through all generations. Psalms 34.8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalms 31.19, How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. Psalms 145.9, The Lord is good to all, he has compassion on all he has made. And James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Other verses state that God's name is good. What God does is good. He satisfies our pleasures with good things. His will is good, perfect, and pleasing. He gives good gifts, and no one is good except God alone. Jesus says that. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is goodness. When we walk in the Spirit, this characteristic of God grows in us and flows out of us to others. It comes from God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As we talk about how God reveals His goodness through creation, I've made just a couple of observations. One is from Genesis 1.31. When God saw all that he made, he didn't say it was just good, but he also said that it was very good. So he saw what he made and it was very good. 
Also, Ephesians 2.10, it says that we are God's workmanship, okay? So he created us. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. His purpose for us is to honor him as a good God and to do good works. So that is part of why he created us. Another observation in creation I thought of was when God made the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He seemed to be stating the importance of the distinction between the two, between good and evil. Life is not neutral, and God is not neutral. There is good and evil. He's not good sometimes, and he's never, ever evil. To allow that God could be other than good, then there can be no distinction between kindness and cruelty, and heaven could be hell and hell could be heaven. So it's important to note that God is never anything but good when you're talking about creation or anything that he has created. My third observation in creation comes from Deuteronomy 10, 12-14, which says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. So the commandments were put together for our good. God told Moses to teach the Israelites about good sanitation practices. And amazingly enough, quarantines of the sick, dietary restrictions like eating certain animals during the Old Testament times. He taught the Israelites about good sexual behavior and good lifestyle choices. His advice kept the Israelites from the kind of diseases that plagued the Egyptians. The same is true of the Ten Commandments. God knows what's best for us in his creation. His commands are good, not intended to punish us, but to prosper us and keep us healthy. The healthiest life is a biblical life, following good biblical guidelines. We spend hours Googling the best way to do something. The good creator has the best advice for your life. If you Google, what is the best thing for my life? Really, the answer should be God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. My fourth observation about the goodness of God in creation is he's no respecter of persons, but he makes his sun to shine on the evil as well as on the good, and he sends his rain on the just and on the unjust. He gives us daily blessings because of his goodness. The recipients of his goodness don't deserve his goodness, and we can't pay him back for his goodness. Like the parable of the workers who receive the same pay for different hours of work, God gets to decide who he will be kind to. Someone believes in God and lives godly life all their days, and then there's a thief on the cross who repents just before he dies. Both will be with Jesus in paradise. Aren't you glad he's good and kind to you with no measuring stick for showing his goodness? When you count all your blessings from God and live in a place of thankfulness, you will be happier and more at peace. We don't deserve his goodness, but yet he showers it upon us lavishly. God created us because he felt good in his heart. He saw what he created and it was good. But he also redeemed us for the very same reason. So that leads us to how God reveals his goodness through Jesus Christ. Hey, what does the gospel mean? It means good news. Yay! Luke 2, 10-11, the angel said to the shepherds, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Jesus is the good news. He is also the good shepherd. 
John 10, 14 through 15 says, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus loves his sheep, knows them by name, and he cares for them to the fullest extent. You probably have heard about people who really honestly want to reconcile to God, but they're afraid even to go into a church building because they feel their past sins would preclude them from entering. They may cautiously inquire, if I come to God, how will he act towards me? What will be his disposition? What will he be like? The answer is that he will be exactly like Jesus. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. One of the reasons Christ walked with men on earth was to show them what God is like and to make known the true nature of God. People may have the wrong idea about God. That's why we need to study about him. But we learn from Jesus how God acts towards people. When Jesus was with hypocrites, people who were insincere and false, you will find that Jesus is cold and aloof with them. But how does Jesus respond to someone who is wanting to give their life to him? He's merciful when people have a penitent heart. He's very generous to those who feel condemned, and he's kind to them. He's friendly to you when you're frightened, and he comforts you. He forgives you when you are poor in spirit. He's very gentle to the weak, and he's hospitable to strangers. And so Jesus is showing us how God is, how God is Jesus is, and how Jesus is is how God is. Remember that when we return to God, even if our sins were the greatest sins in all mankind put together, still in his goodness to us, he will not count them against us, but he will treat us as if we've never sinned. Only a good God does that. So think about that man going into the church building. There is a, a paradox, they say, of faith. The greatness of God arouses fear within us, especially because of all our sins. And we would tremble in his presence because he has no falsehood in him and he's all powerful. But by his goodness, he shows us that we shouldn't be fearful of him. He says over and over again, don't fear me. And this is a paradox on one hand, to fear him with awe and reverence. And on the other hand, not to be afraid because he deeply cares for us. Sometimes in, when I'm in worship, I don't know which one to choose. Either I just kind of stand there in awe of his greatness, or I say, Daddy, I need help. So it is hard for us to balance these two positions of God, but he is both. So how does God reveal his goodness into our hearts? One verse says, Romans 8:12. All have turned away. There is no one who does good, not even one. Other verses say, let us not become weary in doing good. Be eager to do what is good. He wants us to abound in every good work. So that seems a little confusing to me. So let's try to distinguish between the two goods. First off, we know in scripture that our good life and good deeds are not enough to assure us a place in heaven. Our final and eternal destination in life's journey is not determined by whether we live a really good life, but it's determined entirely by Jesus, the perfect Son of God. You might be a very good man or woman, but you will never be good enough to get into heaven on your own merits. Only by believing in Jesus, who died in your place for your sin's penalty, will you receive eternal life. Salvation cannot be achieved by human effort, only through the perfect cleansing blood of Christ. And this is God's good gift to us. He was the good news of sending his son to earth to die for our sins. We don't have to try and earn it by our own good works. 
Yet, once we are followers of Jesus Christ, it will be our desire to be like him. And Jesus did nothing but good works while he was here on earth. The Bible says, therefore, do likewise when you see Jesus. Do not forget to do good and to share with others. For such sacrifices, God is pleased. The Bible also says, consider how we can spur one another to love and good deeds. As we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Give a cup of water to the least of these. Care for orphans and widows. So when we stand before God, we long to hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. As we close, I have a question for you. What things get in the way of you seeing God as he truly is? I'll repeat the question. What things get in the way of you seeing God as he truly is? One thing I believe that gets in the way is our expectations of God. We have expectations regarding how we believe a good God acts. Let's say you're in a crisis situation. What are your expectations of God? Or do you even have any expectations of God? Do you anticipate significant good things to happen from God? Do you anticipate mediocre things to happen from God? Or maybe you anticipate no action from God at all. Where are you on that scale in your expectations of God? Sometimes we have a tendency to dictate to God how he should perform in a given situation. I mean times when we tell him when, where, and how he should perform. If you do it this way, God, I'll believe in you. If not, then I'll try some other ways to get what I want done. And there's no flexibility to allow God to do it his way in our expectations. But I say this to you as kindly as possible. God does not have to perform out of your expectations of him. He performs out of who he is, and he's good. He will do what's best for you, what's best for those around you, and what will bring him glory. I remember hearing a lady pray that when she was moving into an area, that God would provide the perfect home, best running car, short commute to work, good teachers for her children, perfect church and friends. It was quite a long list of wants and expectations. Maybe God did provide or will provide all of her desires, and she will believe that God is good. But what if everything doesn't go perfectly, and it's not smooth sailings and there's bumps in the road? Maybe God will give her some challenges that will cause her to stretch her faith in God during the struggle. The big question for her, and for all of us, will we still think God is good then? Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Working out things for my good may mean I come out stronger, more mature and better prepared to step into the next phase of my journey with God. Let's take the story of Joseph, too, when his brothers sold him into slavery. Their intentions were evil, and it was opposed upon Joseph's life, but Joseph kept the right perspective through it all. He saw that God intended it all for good, because in the end, he was able to rescue his family and the entire country from famine. Difficult times didn't stop Joseph from believing that God is good. Can you dare to believe that all his ways are good? Trust that he is good and he will lead you in the path he's prepared for you. God's purpose in a hardship is plainly stated in the next verse, Romans 8:29. God's good work in you is to conform us into the likeness of his son. God cares more about that than anything else on your prayer list. Philippians 1, 6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We can worship him because he has a good purpose for us and he promises to be with us in it and work it out for our good. Remember, he's the creator of the universe and nothing is too hard for him. 
Psalms 27.13 says, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. No matter how things looked, and the psalmist is pouring out their heart here to the Lord, that he will not be moved because God is good despite what he sees around him in his circumstances. Can you say God is good when the river runs dry? Can you say God is good when you lose your job? Can you say God is good when a loved one dies? Can you say God is good when you get a bad medical report? God does not ask you to say the situation is good, but you know you have a right view of God when you can say he's good regardless of the situation. Thank God for his goodness every day and you will see his goodness in every area of your life. God's goodness should be the basis of our expectation of him. Expect to see God's goodness. So my prayer comes from Psalms 23, 6. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Living a radical life for Jesus means believing that God is good. We thank you again for listening. We are taking a poll. Please let us know what your favorite attribute of God is. Send us an email to rickandrobinmo at gmail.com and we will talk about it on one of our podcasts. Next time we will be talking about the letter H. Talk to you then. Music.